Okay. So uh, the next frontier, according to you, is dealing with the cars, so autonomous cars in general. But uh, you talk about the hardest part for a humanoid robot would be manipulation and not grasping. So the, also uh, for a humanoid robot, it it probably the fact that. Uh, one humanoid robot is not uh, responsible for one specific kind of job, for example, you know, picking an object maybe, uh, but uh, a variety of uh, different kinds of tasks and that adds to the challenge because uh, because the uh, artificial intelligence technology that we have uh, is currently focused on one specific kind of uh, problem. So the narrow AI thing and uh, for humanoid robots to you know, operate in homes, they need to be more general purpose. Uh, can you also uh, uh, tell a bit of difference between uh, general purpose robotics and, and the approach uh, uh, that's there behind it and, and the narrow AI uh, way of uh, dealing with robotics? Yeah. Um... Well, the uh, general AI concept is uh, to build machines so that can uh, apply different type of models to different tasks, right? And uh, to some sort of uh, limitation, we can build robots that can be... Um, okay, for example, in industry, these robots were uh, pre-programmable. So that means that you sell the same type of robot, but yeah. it can do many different operations, but typically in the industry, what you have is a line of robots, the same type of robots, but you have a line of them. Each of them does a particular task. Okay. So although you are selling one robot that uh, ideally could do several operations, uh, when in practice, you what you want to, to have is uh, a robot that uh, is uh, um, set up in a particular uh, place to do a particular task or one or two tasks, no, no, yes. no main. Okay. Um, well, that also uh, it's because efficiency and stuff like that. But if you consider, for example, a robot manipulator that can do several operations like painting or uh, screwing stuff and whatever. Well, doing that with uh, a human hand, right, is going to be very difficult. So what you prefer is to have a specialized tool attached to the robot arm that does that particular operation. So it's better to have two robot arms, one with uh, the, the, the spray to, to, to paint the car, for example, and the other with the, uh, with the screwdriver that can uh, screw things yeah. uh, on the car. So. Um, instead of just whopping around the tools. And uh, if you uh, think about uh, um, a, a robot that wants, you know, you want to, a robot to work in your house and uh, and do some, have all the tasks that uh, a maid would do, well, doing it with uh, uh, two humans hands is gonna be very difficult. So what you want is uh, actually specialized robots that are able to do some particular task. And uh, right now we are at the point where there are robots around the house, like, uh, you know, the dishwasher, yeah. the, the washing machine, uh, um, the coffee makers, they can be seen as robots. They do a particular task, right? And uh, you can have uh, um, uh, 
all these robots connected together, working together, and you can control the robots, you can control the thermostats of your house from your cell phone, right? So you, you can pre-program some particular um, uh, timing for doing the action. So, you know, you activate uh, in, um, you can schedule the activation of these tasks, right? Um, but because they are specialized robots, they can they know how to do that particular job, and uh, they are designed not as humans, but they're designed as uh, the, the, the with the best design to accomplish that particular uh, job. So the, yeah. the washing machine is just um, a, a cube where you fill um, clothes inside. It's not a, a humanoid robot that goes to the river and starts, you know. <laughs> your clothes into the water right yeah. so that's uh, uh that's how we design a, a specific robots for particular actions obviously from the research point of view it's very interesting to be able to build uh, a humanoid robot that is uh, more capable of doing things right our goal for the research uh, it's not to build a, a, a robot that looks like human can be can fool humans uh, and act as human right is a uh, um the the human design is taken for some particular purposes because uh, uh it's easier also for us to encode to represent particular task uh, if we have some particular design like uh, the one we are comfortable with like for example underwater robots that needs to pick objects from the from the seafloor or do some operation uh, of uh, restoration under a boat for example or whatever um well if i have to design a robot like that i will design it with the two arms right because i know that if i needed to do some assembly task uh, perhaps one hand is is not enough you need support with the second and yeah. you know maybe having three could be also useful for a particular situation but uh, i know that with two hands i can actually do most of the stuff i want to do because as human i'm interacting with my world with two drums so that is actually the reason why uh, sometimes we, we we tend to design robots as uh, as humans not because they need to but because we know you know why that design worked because we're using it all the time right yeah, yeah. but uh um yes to to to, to go back to your questions uh, um generally i as uh, i don't want to say as lost interest but is nowadays more a, a theoretical point of view is a theoretical uh, investigation if it's possible to actually generate uh, different behavior how to combine behaviors but most of the robotics uh, they are actually working on, on their problems they yeah. tend to specialize the robot they perhaps use the same robot and try to accomplish different tasks but it's difficult to see a robot that although you have developed the same uh, the same uh, task on the same robot it's difficult to see a robot that then combines all these tasks and executes all of all of them okay so you have uh, one specific set of algorithms that enable the robot to do a particular thing and then you have another set of algorithms that uh, enable the robot to do something else 
okay and uh, um and uh, in in that way um you know you can uh, evaluate uh, design you can evaluate algorithm you can evaluate uh, uh the, the if the ability of the robot has grown and go uh went behind the the the, 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 the state of the art of yesterday and uh but you know um typically you need to create models you need data to create these models you need uh, uh, a lot of information to keep uh, around and uh, uh, if you start adding multiple tasks on the same robot then you ended up that uh, you need uh, big spaces for your data uh, big time for your processing and that's something we can't really do right now there are a lot of research on long-term long life robots like for example if you think a robot that has to work uh, in a hospital as a service robot uh well ideally that robot should work uh, constantly 24 7 right so he needs to be able to um you know learn new things, uh, uh, specialize to the particular hospital is working on us, if they're, you know, memorize where the, um, the reception is, where the rooms are, where the service rooms are, and uh, uh, these things, you don't want to lose it over time, right? So you need to, by a certain point, you will get so much data, you need to figure out what data I can lose without actually losing knowledge. Yeah. So that's another problem. Trying to compress data, combine data, lose the data that you know will not make the difference. Okay, so that's uh, where we are. And uh, there are a lot of uh, projects, especially um, one that comes to mind is uh, uh, Nick Oves at the uh, University of Oxford is uh, um, working on this area. They're making a, um, a great progress, but still we don't have, uh, you know, uh, robots that can uh, work for years uh, um, without never being, uh, you know, uh, required uh, any help from the from the operator. Yeah, that's quite interesting. So I have two questions for you uh, based on uh, the things that you shared. So uh, yeah, I understand this thing that uh, uh, only specialized uh, robots are possible. A general uh, purpose robot is not possible and it's not even the, the focus of research. So but is it possible that, uh, for example, consider a robot manipulator arm uh, and uh, can we so essentially the fact that it can perform one particular specific activity, maybe it's picking an object and placing it somewhere. It's it's dependent on the program that we wrote, right? And uh, maybe there's another activity that it can do. Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, yeah, any other activity that it does. So, uh, but we can have one particular uh, robot manipulator arm and the, then we can switch different modes to make it operate between different specialized robots. For example, maybe uh, one particular robot uh, that is in an industry, in a power plant, maybe picking objects, can the same robot can be uh, switched to a different mode or maybe multiple modes. And in a way that is that particular robot is now capable of doing a lot of different kinds of tasks, but it is uh, at one particular point, it's just a specialized robot. 
right uh yeah so i uh, so i let you talk about this thing but then i'll also state another question that i have uh, so you called a dishwasher and a washing machine as a robot as well so how do you define a robot so i have these these two questions basically okay so yeah um yeah definitely we have shown that uh, uh the same setup the same robots uh, if you take for example Baxter Baxter is uh, a a humanoid robot uh, that is a unique design um many university and research center and also companies have bought this robot and uh, specialized the robot to do a particular set of tasks um so the same uh, the same design the same architecture has been used to um uh, to, to to accomplish uh, uh, different tasks and uh, and that is possible but uh, uh, you have some limitation on the number of tasks and the complexity of the task that you yeah. can execute the same robot because you know limitation in the space or the data you need to to to, to acquire and stuff like that so um building a, a android like the you know centenary man it's uh, still far away on, yeah. on, on the and uh, if i can may add also a, a uh, my opinion on this uh, uh, we might actually reach the, the point where we get uh, um, humanoid robots that can work uh, around us and uh, and that is actually i hope we will reach that point. Uh, however, all these uh, debate around, you know, if it's correct to have robots or they're filling jobs or stuff like that, that I don't think is uh, actually matter, this debate, because um, if you look at Centenary Man, which is one of my favorite uh, movie, uh, though, if you remember, the story has, uh, is like uh, the, um, it was like uh, our world in the uh, 19, in the 90s, right? But with this big change that there are androids that can work uh, autonomously and are very close to a general AI kind of way. So there is a scene where there is the, the, the owner of the robot that is reading the newspaper outside uh, his, uh, his balcony right and and there is the robot next to him that is uh, serving okay what news do you understand in the 90s obviously we were getting our news on the newspaper but you know 30 years later nobody used newspaper anymore right so yeah. it is um, unbelievable that that particular technology will actually be ready if you know uh, in, in in that particular world the world would have de developed accordingly. So right now we are, you know, having cell phone to, to check for uh, for news or a tablet, right? I would imagine that if we reach the point of having uh, autonomous Android in our hands, we might reach the news from, I don't know, a chip in our brain or something like that. Of course, some goggles that you know can 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 show us the news or something like that, like a minority report kind of uh, technology, right? So if that technology is not ready, I don't see why that should happen. 
And obviously, if magically we ended up having an Android on the 90s, then obviously that will start stealing jobs to people that were specializing in that particular job and didn't have the time to actually move to a different job. But I would assume that when the Androids will be ready, people careers have already moved away from the jobs that they were doing 30 years ago they're doing now, and uh, that is not going to be a problem. Like the car was not a problem when, uh, uh, you know, we stopped using Hootsies because we yeah. uh, actually got inside our culture, right? And people have, uh, uh, over generation, have changed uh, the, 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 the job and they found actually um, better jobs that are easier, they are uh, you know, less demanding and uh, also the lifespan has grown for, for human beings because uh, a lot of hard work were actually not necessary anymore and they were um, substituted by other type of jobs. Okay. So that debate uh, just added, um, um, I believe uh, most of the times when we debate about this kind of stuff, we um, uh, people that are not in research on robotics, they tend not to analyze this point of view. And uh, in my opinion, it's actually quite, uh, uh, quite important. Uh, to move to the uh, second questions that was, uh, um, what was the second question, sorry? Uh, so it's, uh, uh, one question was uh, the, the specialized robot thing and, and the other question was what is a robot because you uh, called the dishwasher and, and yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I said robot, I didn't say intelligent robots, right? So a robot is actually a machine that does some uh, uh, operations, okay? okay? You, uh, Programmable robots are um, robots that can have multiple functionalities with the same design. You just need to change the code, right? Uh, so a dishwashing machine is a program, for example, right? It has a different type of uh, um, washing setup. You can change it and uh, you can add new ones if you want, you know, and uh, um, and the intelligent robots is uh, something, well, we needed to describe what, what intelligence is, right? Uh, intelligence, there have been tons of, uh, of definition around the web and uh, on books. If you look at the uh, textbook for uh, AI and machine learning, every book gives you a different definition of intelligence. Uh, what I like uh, to uh, consider intelligence is uh, um, coming from Professor Winston from the MIT. Um, and he said that, uh, you know, intelligence is uh, um, having a model, but a model that targets thinking. So it's not just a model to solve a particular problems, but it's try to understand what is the, 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 the thinking process in order to solve that problem, okay? Yeah. So the reasoning, inference, having validators, circulating patterns, and this kind of stuff, okay? So the models target the a, a, a reasoning path to achieve a particular Okay, 
Uh, unfortunately, that's not quite enough because models are based on uh, representation. Okay, because for example, a very classic example in AI is the farmer fox goose grain. Okay, you have a river, you have farmer needs to move uh, all the items uh, across the river, but on the boat it can be only him and uh, uh, one of his items. And you have to decide which one you have to leave on one side, which one you take on the boat and you move it, right? And uh, you know that the fox wants to eat the, the goose, the goose wants to eat the grain, so you have this uh, uh, particular um, set of constraints you have to figure out in order to find the solution. So, in order to generate a model from these problems that I described you by words, you need to have a representation of this, uh, of this problem, right? And one possible representation is I had an invisible representation. You draw, you know, a, a, the river, you draw the, the elements on one yeah. side, and, the and then you, you draw another the same scenario, but we in action. So you show that now the farmer and the goose are moving across the, the river and whatever, right? And you, from one, one um, state, right? Because this representation represents one state, a particular situation at time t, you can draw connections to possible evolution of the system, right? So visually, you can represents what are my options from this state, right? And then you can draw what are the options from another state. Yeah, right? yeah. So the representation becomes a graph or a tree, depends on, uh, on what kind of um, problems you have. And uh, the nice thing is that in some particular problems, like this one is very simple, the, the number of a combination not that I, you can actually draw it in one blackboard, okay? And you visually can see that there are some states that do not satisfy the constraints of the problem. Um, so what I was saying is you have this representation, this case can be a visually representation of really drawing the states and the, how the states evolved. And uh, you can, I identify states that are not legal in our problem. So you expose the constraints of your uh, of your um, of your problems, and uh, you can find an algorithm that will um, satisfy the constraints for yeah. the representation we have chosen to support the model, and uh, and the model solves the problems. That is uh, how you reach the, the solution to this problem. So what is the thinking process you need to um, um, uh, employ to actually reach the solution of this task or similar, similar problems, right? So um, in a, in a, from a very, uh, again, a very uh, practical terms, this definition of intelligence is actually more, more suitable for me because it goes back to writing algorithms, right? Of a mathematical formulation of some kind that tries to 
replicate the thinking process of my brain when I try to solve uh, a, a problem like, uh, you know, how to move all my items from one side of the river to the other without losing any item, right? Yeah. So um, that is what we, um, that's what I, uh, I consider intelligent. And if the robot has this ability, his ability to, you know, um, execute an algorithm or learning some, uh, you know, some models that uh, are able to uh, to define this this thinking process, then that that robot is intelligent. So a, a cart that they, they can navigate from a point A to point B without uh, hitting anybody any other cards uh, then is a intelligent behavior because he needs to think about uh, staying in the lane he needs to think about dynamic uh, objects that are moving around and having some responses some actions that uh, enable the car to be safe and reach his target okay so that's uh, how i would define uh, a, a robot that is intelligent by a, a robot which is just a machine that uh, um, executes uh, uh, actions. Okay, so uh, so essentially the robot that you're talking about, the, by the term robot, you essentially mean a machine. So uh, what exactly would be the difference between a machine and a robot from this particular, uh, you know, uh, definition that you talk about so uh, or a, a machine could also be a, a robot could be you know a subset of a machine in a way in that sense and then uh, an intelligent robot is then a subset of robot yeah yes uh, I would say like a machine is very general uh, terms so, right we can call the dishwasher machine right but uh, yeah. in uh, if we wanted to define a, a robot, the robot is a, a machine that is able to execute some particular uh, actions by by itself, right? So, is a robot is a very old name comes from uh, you know the literature, uh, yes. and uh, it, it defined these. Uh, um, and this idea of, uh, uh, of an autonomous that uh, can execute uh, actions, right? While uh, a simple machine uh, would be, I don't know, a mechanical machine, like, uh, I don't know, a, a, a spray machine, right? You press the trigger. Okay. And that is an, uh, that's a tool in the machine, right? Uh, which has nothing to do with, uh, with, with the robot. Okay, okay. That's interesting. So uh, now let's move a bit more deeper into the interesting projects that you have done. So, uh, but uh, before that, let's... Uh, uh, let me ask you this question. Why don't we still have uh, robotic grasping arms at home already? Uh, Yesterday we, we had a conversation where you, you were talking about uncertainty and how it uh, impacts the design of a robot, for instance. Yes, I um, well, I believe I already answered this question in um, in some parts. Yeah. Uh, 
keys that manipulation requires uh, to generate contacts with the world. And uh, there is uncertainty in the sense that uh, uh, most of these interactions cannot be um, predicted because there are a lot of variables we cannot measure, right? Okay. So uh, lack of measuring variables, uh, lack in the model of, uh, you know, some particular value you should assign to that particular variable. So your model does not know what is going to be the, the outcome because you don't know what's, uh, um, um, uh, what are the, you know, coefficient of frictions or, uh, or you know, this kind of stuff. Um, if you have a pile of objects, for example, you take the one from the top, uh, predicting if they are going to fall and how, it's very tough problem. Not even our brain can actually solve this problem, right? We we can understand when something might fall, right? Yeah. yeah. But thinking exactly how that uh, is going to happen is going to be very difficult, right? So we have limitation of what's up. But the, I think the biggest limitation now is uh, is a technical is on the on the. Um, uh, uh, I, I told you there is these three-dimensional um, uh, topics uh, for, for researching yeah. robotics. Uh, the perception part is not just only, you know, a camera watching an object, understanding that is a glass and the other is a guitar or whatever. Um, it's uh, also sensing, be able to uh, touch something and have uh, uh, the right sense sensitivity to manipulate an object. Okay, like for example, if you have a pile of, of, of plates uh, and you want to, you know, some uh, you want to lift the, the, the first plate, uh, you need to have also um, sensing to understand the, the, where the object is, the gap between the two dishes. You need to have a soft, um, uh, soft ends that enable you to apply the right frictions to lift the first. Uh, plate enough to place your fingers below. So there is a lot of movements which are extremely complicated to model on the on the on the physical uh, part because uh, it involves uh, forces, uh, uh, sliding, frictions, uh, this kind of stuff. And um, uh, and so now we don't have actually the tool to do that. Even if we could model in simulation on a particular defining a bunch of these variables and we could have in simulation uh, something like that. In, in practice, we don't have the robot to do that. So there are limitations. Okay. And uh, for that reasons, these three axes are moving at a different uh, speed rate because uh, uh, technology does not advance in all these directions uh, at the same time. Okay. And some can, can be... Um, you know, um, advanced by using simulations uh, and, you know, recreating words uh, where we can uh, test our hypothesis. In some other cases, uh, if you don't have uh, the, the, the technology, the hardware technology, you don't move forward. Okay, so uh, indeed, uh, if you go to, an in, in, uh, to a, a robotic conference, uh, typically there are several tracks uh, and tracks can be on computer vision, on sensing, on developing hardware for uh, computer vision, sensing, and um, processing, or you know, parallel processing for you know, make a uh, um, robot um, or intelligence machine um, uh, faster. Uh, 
um, there is a decision making, uh, there is how you can learn from data, how you can extrapolate the particular hidden pattern from raw data and this kind of stuff. So it's uh, really uh, 360 degrees. It touches many different aspects of the of the of the problems. But unfortunately, not all of these tracks go at the same rate. So sometimes these create limitations for the the real application. Well, sometimes, most of the time. Okay. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. So uh, now let's move specifically to the the projects. Let's first start with the dishwashing uh, uh, robotic project that you had. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yes. Um, well, the um, the idea in that case was, uh, uh, you know, that you place a robot in front of a desk where you have a dishwasher rack and you have a pile of, uh, of um, um, household items that can fit in the dish. So dishes, uh, glasses, uh, cutlery, and this kind of stuff. Um, the problem was, uh, obviously, again, uh, you had the perception part where you try to see the scene, understand what is an object, what is not, uh, what kind of objects, uh, understand uh, um, what object could be graspable, uh, because if they are piled together, some objects cannot be grasped. Uh, first, you need to grasp some other object and so on. There were also, we had uh, these uh, bimanual uh, robots that was able to scan the, the environment, uh, okay. uh, create a 3D model of these, uh, of these objects and uh, apply grasp uh, to, uh, to different objects. And um, we were selecting the object to grasp, uh, following this constraint, grasp it, pass into the another hand, and again, okay. the grasp of computed on, on the fly, we have this model for adapting grasp for different hands and uh, different objects. And then uh, it was, he had to know where to place it in the dishwasher. So again, we had the model to tell uh, uh, things that looks like dishes that are flat and round, uh, you know, go in, the, in this part of the rack. Uh, uh, things that looks like glasses or goes uh, in the flat part of the of the rack and so on and so forth. So we have this model. The nice thing was that uh, the model to place the things inside the, the rack was uh, the inverse model, if we can call it like that, uh, of the grasping. In the grasp, if I can take an object like uh, this glass, right, I learned on this grass that I can place my fingers like this. So I generate a bunch of contacts with the surface, right? So I extrapolate some uh, some feature to describe the position I want for this object. Now, if I get this glass, which is very different from the other glass, yeah. but the local contacts kind of are the same, right? So I can transfer these, uh, this grasp and I can learn the grasp from one glass and then uh, I can see another glass and uh, or similar shape and apply the same glass. When I place it on the rack, I can do the, the opposite. I can uh, uh, associate the contact between not the hand and the object, but between the rack and the, and the object. So the rack works like the hand. <laughs> 